Hi, I'm David Kyes, and I run R for the Rest of Us. You may think of R as a tool for complex statistical analysis, but it's much more than that. From data visualization to efficient reporting to improving your workflow, R can do it all. On this podcast, I talk with people about how they use R in unique and creative ways. Join me and learn how R can help you. I am delighted to be joined today uh, by Matt Herman. Matt is a data scientist in the research division at the Council of State Governments uh, Justice Center. Matt, uh, welcome. And I'd love to have you start out by just um, talking a bit about um, what the Council of State Governments Justice Center is and um, what's the work that you do there. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. So um, the Council of State Governments Justice Center, or CSG, you might hear me talk about it that way is a nonprofit organization um, and we do a bunch of different things, but the, what I'm focused on is doing uh, research and policy analysis in the criminal justice field. And we work and we partner with state governments and all, all three branches of state governments. Um, and a lot of the things that we're doing are analyzing um, data from different elements of the criminal justice system, uh, police departments, corrections agencies, courts, um, and hopefully turning some of that research into policy recommendations that could guide criminal justice reforms in state governments. Cool. Um, and of course, you use R uh, in your work there. Maybe, maybe just, uh, I'm curious, can you give an example of like a project you've worked on recently and, and how R kind of fits into that work? Yeah. Yeah. We're, our research division is about 14 people right now, and we're sort of split evenly between Stata users and R users, although we're we're trying to recruit more to the R side. Um, and uh, so w one project that we just wrapped up working on um, was based in Montana, and it, we were working on a analysis of the of racial equity in Montana court decisions. Um, and so for this project, we were able to get lots of data, court records and records from the Department of Corrections in Montana um, that they output from their case management system. And then the R process was all the way of like ingesting it, cleaning it, wrangling it, um, doing some regression modeling, uh, creating charts and graphs and tables for our final report and our presentation. So like as far as R goes, like pretty much the whole analytic workflow from getting the raw data to um, creating reports and presentations happen more or less within R. Um, and for this project, one of the, the content of this project was focused on disparities between white and Native American people in Montana courts and decision-making processes. And one of the findings uh, that we saw were that pretty consistently there were these disparities between the Native American and white populations where uh, Native American people were more likely to get um, sentences to incarceration for similar offenses compared to their white counterparts. Um, and we did a few other analyses at different points in the criminal justice system. Great. And what is, just out of curiosity, like what does your reporting look like there? Because we're going to be talking in a few minutes about kind of websites. I'm guessing you're not building websites. So I'm curious what the reporting looks like. So this project, the deliverables were a couple of uh, like reports sort of that we ended up writing in Word and using the charts um, generated from R, like ggplot output to PNG dropped into Word. Um, and then also some PowerPoint presentations were very sort of like PowerPoint deck heavy organization. Sure. Like, 
Um, and then actually as, as a like bonus deliverable, I ended up making um, 22, there are 22 judicial districts in Montana. And I ended up making a report for each judicial district. Um, oh, wow. This like short two pager about data quality, because that was one of the elements of the project. We were seeing how often race information was collected at different courts. And it varied widely by court and judicial district. So I actually made an R markdown template that I could uh, generate these PDF outputs, one per judicial district. Um, and so that was sort of a, a great workflow for R markdown. And I know work that I've seen that you and your organization has done. It's, it's so it's such a powerful tool because I like couldn't make twenty two of these by hand. Yeah, yeah. I, so I assume that was with parameterized reporting. Exactly. So yeah, it, it was basically one R markdown template. And then the only parameter that was required there was just the judicial district. And then it filtered the data and generated the charts and all that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Um, all right. So you've talked a bit about how you use R now. Maybe if you could just take a step back and talk about how you initially got into R, what you switched from and how it kind of changed your work uh, when you did start using R. I had a couple of like tentative R starts like in and around grad school where it was, I knew it was something I wanted to try um, because I had seen really nice graphics and other cool stuff produced in R. But in my graduate program, this was a master's degree in sociology. Um, none of the classes were in R specifically. Our stats classes were taught using Stata. Um, I also took some GIS and geography classes and those are all taught using ArcGIS and a little QGIS, but no R. But I knew that R could do all of those things, um, and I, I knew I wanted to learn them. And so while I was in graduate school, I was interning for an organization called Measure of America, which is a nonprofit that uses a lot of interesting census and public data to create maps and like accessible reports about demographic data and other sort of social data. And they were R users there. Um, and so during the course of that internship, I was really lucky to sort of have the time and space to learn R without the pressure of like needing to finish something and had had resources and other folks there um, who could help me. Um, and so I really dove into it during that internship. And then during the rest of graduate school, I actually ended up just like doing all my assignments in R instead of Stata because I don't know, I, I, I enjoyed it more. I knew that I yeah. sort of had this idea that I'm, going to go into the government side of things or the nonprofit side of things where they're less likely to be able to buy state licenses or whatever it is going sure. to be. And so it just sort of seemed like an, a better path forward while I was already sort of learning in, in that environment. So um, a lot of it, yeah, it was through that experience of that measure of America and then just on my own and tons of blogs, stack overflow, you know, our stats, Twitter, like the, the, I think the, um, of like supportive R community and all the content that is tailored a lot. A lot of it is tailored to the sort of new learners in R online really got me excited about it, I think. Great. And what were some of the, the major differences for you in terms of the work you were doing? Like were there things say that you were able to do or do differently when you when you moved to R versus Stata or ArcGIS or, or whatever other tools you were using? Um like in in graduate school, it was I was able to sort of do comparable things in terms of like running regressions and t tests and all the sort of standard statistic class type stuff you would learn. Um, but I think where I got excited about it 
at the beginning a lot was the visualization and the mapping. Um, so certainly a GG plot, like being able to make beautiful plots is like the plotting is so much better in R compared to Stato or SPSS or some of these other tools that a lot of folks use. Um, and then interactive mapping got so easy. Like, like I, I think I initially got into making maps in R using the TMAP package. Um, and there's a really cool feature there where you can sort of specify your map. Um, and then you with like one switch, you can change it from a static map to an interactive map that it like translates that into Leafland. I thought that was so cool. I was like, cause I was in ArcGIS, you know, you, you can sort of do one or the other, but you can't really do both. And I, right. I really got excited about that. I was like, oh wow. Just like with the same syntax and flipping a switch. Now it's this like neat interactive map I can cruise around in. So that sort of got me like, I think excited about it. Yeah. I mean, I think for a lot of people, um, it's interesting how people, even if their work isn't like hugely data viz focused, the kind of visual side of things is such a draw when they start out. I know for me, like that's, that's why I got into it. I had seen people make amazing visualizations and I saw that they were doing them with R and I was like, I, I want to learn how to do that. Um, and then it was once I did that, I realized, oh, there are all these other things. I mean, the parameterized reporting that you did before is a great example, you know, things that you can do in R that you just don't even think about until you're, you're in it. Absolutely. And then, and then another big thing was, um, accessing census data, uh, programmatically mm -hmm. through an API because at measure of America and in graduate school also, like I use a lot of census data for my work and research. And at that time, American fact finders still exist for like, that was like the mm -hmm. way to get information from the U S census bureau. And it was a really hard to navigate website and it's been replaced by data.census.gov, which is a different hard to navigate website. And, um, <laughs> so I, I found out about originally the, there's a R package called ACS, um, for accessing American community survey data. And then it was sort of superseded by, um, Kyle Walker's tidy census. And I got really into that and excited about it. And, and I think that actually like pushed me further into figuring out how, like how R worked a little bit more and got into package development a little. And I started, um, fixing little bugs in tidy census and responding to GitHub issues in tidy census. Um, and just got excited about the workflow and sort of was trying to tell everyone about it. Like my classmates and everything who I saw were struggling with these downloads from the census. I was like, there's a better way. Um, yeah. and so that sort of really, I think drove me deeper in, into it. Yeah, that's great. Um, so let's talk about, um, the website you made looking at, um, all sorts of COVID related data for Westchester County, New York, uh, which is where that's where you still are, right. For the next little bit. Uh, yep. That's right. Yeah. I'm that in right? Westchester County. It's a suburb of New York city, uh, Northern suburb and I've uh, been here for about two cool. years. Great. So um, I guess maybe first of all, if you could talk about, you know, before we actually dive into the website itself, like where did the idea for kind of making a website with COVID data for Westchester County, where did that idea come from? Um, well, my family and I moved here to Westchester County um, in the summer of 2020. So like that first summer of COVID and, um, before that I had been in Brooklyn and New York city had done a, the health department in particular had done a really good job of releasing lots of 
data about COVID case rates and death rates and all sorts of stuff, starting to release data by zip code. So you really, being in New York, I had a pretty good sense of like what was going on in the sort of pandemic data world for where I was and sort of using that information to make decisions about what we were going to do and where we were going to go. Um, and then when I came to Westchester, just like one county north of New York, there was pretty much nothing. The Westchester County Department of Health had a Twitter feed that once a day would tweet this like, image of the map of Westchester uh, that had the like total cases by town in Westchester and then this like table that was clearly copied and pasted from Excel that was like mashed into this image like you know all this and I can totally imagine how someone made this or why they made it and that the like I think this is true across the country like these smaller departments of health weren't never prepared to do this level of like analysis and so I decided I wanted to try to build something better um, if there if the data was available. So um, I sort of scoured the different resources, the Westchester County data that was released of COVID rates by town or municipality in Westchester. The state of New York did some reporting. The New York Times did a lot of really good data collection. But the initial like in, the initial reason I made it was just I, I actually just like wanted to know what was going on with COVID where I was living. Um, and then it, it turned into a little bit more because that was around the same time I knew I was uh, starting to apply and look for jobs. And I, I also knew that like, if I made a sort of website with all my code online on GitHub that people could look at, it would be a, a sort of a, a useful portfolio piece that other folks could see sort of sure. what I could make and the type of code I wrote. That makes sense. So talk about what, advantages making a website like this in R offers like you know I think if someone's not in the R world they think you you know oh I'm going to make a website I'm going to use you know I don't know WordPress or Squarespace like what why why make something like this in R what advantages does that offer um well I the big thing for me is that I don't really know HTML CSS and JavaScript that well <laughs> so the idea to like make a website from scratch I actually couldn't even do that but the tools in R for building websites or generating HTML output from sort of familiar R code are so rich and powerful like you can make standard just sort of like single page HTML reports from R markdown or you can make like multi-page websites that's what I ended up building and so for me as like a pretty strong R user I was doing all of my data collection and manipulation and wrangling and visualization in R and then I could also just stay in R to create the website and to create stuff that I couldn't make myself in HTML or JavaScript. Um, and the, a lot of the interactive plotting libraries are really good examples of that. So there are R packages that wrap JavaScript libraries like Leaflet for interactive mapping or Plotly for um, interactive, other interactive visualizations. And so I don't really know JavaScript, but I know R. And so I can write R code and use these R packages that have wrapped the JavaScript libraries to write the JavaScript for me that I couldn't do myself. Um, and so in a way, it's just sort of like how I had to do it <laughs> if I want, if this was the output yeah. I wanted to make. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the other thing I was thinking about is the website that you've built, it combines all of the code that brings in the data that, you know, scrapes it or, or gathers it, 
and does the analysis, builds a visualization, and then puts it on the website. So you don't have to do that separately and then, you know, copy your outputs to a website somewhere. It's all into like every piece of how this website works is integrated in 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 one place, um, which makes it really efficient. I mean, like your website updates itself automatically, um, get bringing in new data, I think every day. Uh, and it seems like that kind of thing is possible with R, whereas if you were cobbling it together with multiple tools might not be as possible. Yeah, I think so. Right. And you don't need to like have a like a, well, any sort of server that's hosting your data and it's the, 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 that's the other really nice thing about the hosting side of it is really nice too, because I think all of the, all of the options to create HTML output from R generate static HTML. So all of the code and the data and everything to generate the website is a static file that then it makes it really easy to deploy or host. So um, the website that we're talking about, the Westchester COVID site is hosted on GitHub pages. So that's even another piece. Not only is all the code for like gathering, cleaning, creating the visualizations, joining the website in one repository, it's also hosted in the same place too. So it's really like self-contained, this like tight little package that for me as not a web developer makes it really easy to handle. Yeah. Um, so you, for this website, used uh, the distill package. And I'm curious, you know, there are multiple approaches if you want to make a website from R. Um, there's blog down, um, probably some others that I'm not thinking of. Um, but there are different ways to make kind of websites or HTML documents. Actually, even Bookdown, for example, I was giving a presentation the other day on Bookdown, and I was thinking, like, there's no reason why you can't make a, a website with Book. I mean, that's all it is, just a series of HTML files. Anyway, I'm curious why um, you opted for Distill to to make your website versus any other package. Um, I think when I started designing this, so this was like fall 2022, I think when I was first building it, um, Distill as a framework seemed really had some really nice features and flexibility that I liked. Um, some of the really sort of simple things that are on the website, like having little um, text in the margin of a web page, that's like built in, that's like a CSS class built into Distill. Or the way that you can size or resize images and other sort of layout type stuff that you certainly could do manually in CSS and HTML, but like, a lot of that was built into Distill already. So it seemed like a pretty good framework that could do enough of the formatting that I would want to do, but sort of all staying within Distill. Um, I think at this point now, like almost two years later, I might consider building it in um, Quarto or Quarto, I guess that's how it's pronounced. This like new yeah. sort of multi multilingual products from our studio, I guess, that has a lot of some of those same features of like HTML layouts from distill, um, like the image sizing and the page sizing and the text callouts and a bunch of other nice stuff is also built into Quarto with some other features. So I might consider using that as a platform. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I know I've always personally gone with distill. I've just, I've never actually done anything with blog down, which is the main other one that I hear people talk about, but I just hear people talk about like trying to update something and like breaking their site or that kind of thing. And distill is really 
much more straightforward it seems like um for, for i think so thing. and for me just understanding how it worked like each page is its own r markdown file that gets rendered to an html file and there's a little bit of like config yaml configuration that tells you where to put everything and other than that so yeah like you said it sort of seems pretty straightforward and simple which again as not a web developer i really like yeah that makes sense all right cool um well this has been great matt thanks for joining me today um that was super like i actually there were a lot of things about your website that i didn't quite get that i actually get now um so um yeah that's that's awesome i mean i know for you it doesn't you're you kept saying like oh this is like relatively simple but like it's actually like pretty complex in terms of the uh, yeah all no, the pieces totally. coming but together it all and sort of builds thing, so. it's like it starts simple right like when i first built it or if i was just building one page i mean the, sure. the, the that workflow is always the same though which i like how like get the data from somewhere clean yeah. it up save it and then use that data in something to make something else like that's sort of like that classic our markdown workflow yeah that's what I always like when I, I mean, when I work with organizations, cause that, that's like, people have to understand the basics first, but like once they don't understand the basics, I'm always telling them like separate out your, your kind of data importing, cleaning that step, you know, do that in like a data raw or our or folder or whatever, and then spit out your clean data to a data folder in whatever RDS or CSV or whatever. And when you are markdown only reference the data folder, um, that's yeah. such a I think your book is going to be great because like in terms of like what I use R for it's like very little statistics <laughs> like almost none like at most like some regression <laughs> right right exactly when I think that more and more as R is becoming adopted more widely there are a lot of people like you or like me who don't use it for you know any kind of complex statistical modeling and it can offer a ton for yeah. them people just need to understand like what it can do so Hopefully, hopefully my book will, will show them that that's my goal. Um, all right, cool. If people want to connect with you, yeah, what would be I, I have a very limited presence on Twitter. <laughs> um, buddy Herms is my, um, <laughs> is my Twitter handle. And I, I have a very out of date personal website that I, that is built I, potentially using distill, um, that I should update. Well, good. Well, thanks again, Matt, for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. I hope you found this conversation interesting. Uh, if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear it. David at rfortherestofus.com. Thanks.